Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walton. Like all great experiments in American history, the 3 and D Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the 3 and D Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eaney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren. Here we go. Thank you, Michael. All right, guys, we are coming off a lively week in the NBA as the usual cast of stars are making headlines on and off the court. We've got a <laughs> tight race forming at the top of the Eastern Conference, and in the West, there is a tight race to make the play-in tournament. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to start uh, this lay of the league with with a little segment on how our stars are acting like children uh, right now if you see if you might yes. have an idea where i'm going with this <laughs> starting with a uh, sports illustrated sports person of the year award winner stephen curry <laughs> uh, who was ejected in the crucial moments of the fourth quarter home game against the grizzlies last week after Throwing his mouth guard into the stands, uh, Curry horrified dentists everywhere and disgusted the fans who were sitting courtside with his uh, petulant behavior. Uh, Curry was fined 25000 and he hasn't had this much uh, public embarrassment since he hosted the ESPYs last year. <laughs> oh, jeez. Everyone wants, wants to be Peyton Manning. There's only one Peyton Manning. No. And he, he's no Norm MacDonald either, who uh, did the best ESPYs ever. That's true. Best ESPYs, best White House Correspondents Dinner, yes. best uh, view guest appearance. Yes. <laughs> Howard Stern, Letterman, Leno, all of the above. Did you see the view one where he was like, the, the, it was during the Clinton administration and he's Kept talking about how Hillary killed Vince Foster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, I oh, he killed the guy. And then everyone's like, I can't say that. And he's, Barbara Walters, RIP. Yeah. Both RIP, right. but yeah. I guess she, I just, she just didn't I, quite get Norm. And this uh, this visit back to the 90s was brought to you by uh, NBA Jam. Let's go. Continue. <laughs> but I just wasn't, you know, that impressed with Curry's monologue. I mean, he, his whole thing was like doing a Dikembe Matumbo impression. But anyhow... <laughs> I didn't uh, see it, but I want to now. <laughs> Curry, but Curry was actually frustrated at uh, Jordan Poole for taking an ill-advised shot off of an offensive rebound, and he thought it would be better to do something other than punch him. So that's why he did the mouth guard. So take notes, Draymond. Uh, <laughs> you, you think you think he'll, he'll start get he'll start wearing a mouthpiece, Draymond, just to have an outlet when he needs yes, it. Yes, I think that's that's the lesson we can learn. It was pretty funny when Poole came into the locker room and Curry was waiting for him and he just tossed his mouth guard right before he saw him. It was kind of, it was good. Yeah. Um, you just want to give Poole a noogie. You don't need to punch him. Just give him a noogie. You know, he's <laughs> like, ah, come on. <laughs> You're lovable. Look at that little wispy mustache. Even Steph could never grow that. Nice work. <laughs> uh, but not one who likes to be outdone by Curry. LeBron James had his, uh, <laughs> Own flashback, flashback to childhood. Does it like the child star? <laughs> yeah, right. When he was uh, he was ranting and raving after the the refs missed a a clear foul at the end of regulation against the Celtics Saturday night. Uh, for anyone that missed it, just to recap, the the game was tied. LeBron was traveling. I mean, driving to the hoop uh, for the game winner. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> 
did you see the replays? There was like, wait, LeBron traveled right before he got before the foul. But uh, anyway, Jason Tatum tried to block a shot, got all arm, and it was a no call. Uh, LeBron was then a matter than a snapping turtle. Do you know that Dan Rather reference? <laughs> that election coverage, anyone? Um, he was literally hopping all over the court in anguish. We haven't seen LeBron have this strong of a reaction on the court since J.R. Smith was his teammate. <laughs> it did. It was right. It was reminiscent of. <laughs> but uh, no, we understand that every game is critical at this point to uh, get in the play in tournament. Uh, and then just to pour some salt on the wound, Patrick <laughs> Beverly thought it would be a good idea to show the refs a photo of the foul, which got him a technical to start the overtime and undid all the goodwill he had built up a couple weeks back when he gave that epic inspirational halftime speech. You remember that against the Blazers? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're not done with our stars acting out. Uh, Joel Embiid was also was fine last week for making an inappropriate gesture after an and one play against the Brooklyn Nets at home last week. Embiid was apologetic and said that the only person he meant to offend in the re- in the arena was Ben Simmons. <laughs> I, I I thought he was going to say instead of five crotch chops, I should have done six. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, last night, Luca, or maybe it was the night before, Luca Doncha got into a trash talking war with the Detroit Pistons assistant coach. Uh, this is, you know, it's par for the course for Luca, who will, you know, take on anyone with a, with a trash talking war. But it all had us uh, left asking one question, which is, what would a Pistons coach have to talk trash about? <laughs> Did you see Doncic's comeback though? As he walked away, he turned around and he said, "Who are you?" And then he just laughed at him and kept <laughs> I going. Yeah. I mean, is that not the one of the best? If you're like, if if you're clearly an alpha dog in the NBA. Just right. to just to minimize, so you know, emasculate them, so to speak, is just say, "Who are you?" Yeah, you can just play that card when you have to. Well, it didn't seem to affect effective as Luca went on to score fifty three points, but uh, but hey, at least the, the Pistons coaching staff hasn't given up yet, so that's a positive. Well, the the fun, I don't know if you guys saw, but that that coach actually had had a similar instance. I think it was last year with Jason Tatum because he was a Celtics assistant for a long time. Um, and he started talking trash to Tatum during the game, and then Tatum went off as well. So I don't know if it's part of a, a very complicated tanking strategy. Uh, if uh, Troy Weaver took him aside and go, please talk trash on those on those dog day night the NBA season, please pick a fight with their best player, get him going so we can lose another game, get closer to getting Victor. I don't know what they did. Also, that same guy, he was the um, he was the coach at Penn. I think he played at Penn for a while and um he uh I think he was like a precursor to uh the Lori Laughlin saga like where oh. he, he sold I think he sold a like a scholarship um or gave someone access to Penn and he got like a 15 year show cause penalty because of it so wow. um it's uh yeah he's had a uh he's had oh, an interesting interesting uh because Penn used to be great i mean he played there he was really good um kind of in their heyday jerome allen um 
Yeah. And now he just talks trash to stars on the sideline <laughs> when he isn't getting bribed to get a, uh, get a uh, student into uh, an Ivy league college. <laughs> yeah. I don't get what his angle would be. Maybe he's just, he's trying to tell them they're overrated or something. I just, I don't know what material he has to work with uh, to heckle stars. I mean, I don't know. you know, we had our Robin flicker, the greatest heckler ever. I mean, that guy had material for everything, but he was like, you know, he was doing comedy over there. I don't know what a coach, what a coach can do. He's, he's well, no right. Think- Go ahead, Michael. Well, I was just going to say, I think his comeback to Doncic when he said, who are you? He said, you don't even know who Aunt Becky is. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys remember, do you remember that? Uh, I don't know if it was before your time, but Robin Flicker. Oh, yeah. Washington. Wizards. Wizards yeah, or Bullets at that point. Yeah. Yeah. He was like an attorney and he would always sit behind the visitor's bench and was just ruthless. And I think he was attacked by once by Kevin McHale and once by uh, Frank Layden, they like really went after physically. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, different era. Although yes. I don't know. I, Robin Flicker was no, no Brian Lovegren though, when it came to heckling, uh, <laughs> heckling oh. NBA players. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The epic Jalen Rose. <laughs> yes. It's very proud of him for that. <laughs> We did pass the over the Beverly conversation. Can we just, I mean, I I need some analysis. Where does it rank in the all-time technical fouls? The fact that he walked out with the camera and pointed to uh, presumably the the foul that was not called on LeBron. And he got a technical in between regulation and the overtime period compared to like Rashid staring down. Was it Steve Javi and getting a technical foul for just staring the Duncan or one, the Duncan one's Duncan the laughing Crawford, on the bench when he's laughing yeah. and Crawford tossed him. That's like, is that the, the is that the is that, is this, that number this was, one? This was up there. I mean, I, I you know I've been advocating for the you know WWEization oh, yeah. of the NBA for a long time. So this type of stuff is is great, and I feel like we have. I know you can't really do it now, especially with gambling being so prevalent. Like they all have to take their jobs really seriously because it can have a huge impact. But did you guys see the response that they? that referees had <laughs> they're like are we are heartbroken about the yeah, this call wrenching this, like... this has been a gut-wrenching we we have stared at the ceiling for hours tonight yeah uh, please like, lebron don't don't kick me out of the league I, yeah we, we, please please it wasn't my fault um it's like just they should just roll with it they should just do the heel be like they should just be like like an, an, would a major league baseball umpire ever grovel like that come on like let's yeah, no. let's be, be the bad guy. We need to have, yeah. then bring out Ed McMahon to ref his next game, <laughs> and he can do the little Ed McMahon walk. Even though he's... I, I just want to be. I mean, I mean, as as the voice of reason here, I are, are we sure we want this? I just, I mean, we, they could just be better at their jobs. I mean, we, that's a, that feels like a more reasonable attack here. Well, I I don't you know I don't really need to see LeBron do the you know Paul Dano cry walk from little <laughs> miss sunshine did you guys see that someone put it next to each other yeah. on twitter i don't know it's a older it's not a uh 1990s reference but it's, it's about a 10 year old reference but a little miss sunshine i think paul dano finds out some bad news and he climbs out of the little like their little vw bus and runs down, runs down the hill and is like on his knees like screaming and they just ran the video of what what lebron did so it's like 
Well, I mean, it's it's great. He really wants to win. Like that's a good thing. But I don't know. He's got a little Russell Wilson in him too. I feel like I, mean, I love Russ, but sometimes I feel like LeBron. It's like he knows the cameras are going. I think what it's so. I saw someone. I think someone was just quoting someone else as they said that LeBron plays like he's starring in his own sports biopic. You know, <laughs> where it's just like like that's the thing. You know, it's everything is just all over the place. But I agree with you, D. What you said before. He's just a child star. You know? <laughs> now, speaking of, of of timely or period references was that an ed mcmahon or a vince mcmahon that you said earlier oh man yes <laughs> yes i think i just have i have i have the mcmahon's mixed up in my head because vince has come back to the wwe uh, yeah right and, uh, Oh man! Well, they they both hit you know had their heyday at the same uh, same period of time i think but but can the refs get back i mean like this i feel like you know, Cuban was right. Donahue w- was out there and there's who knows what's going on now, but is there really, I mean, I agree. Like we shouldn't be, these games need to matter and count and you can't take the WWE thing too far, but like, are we sure they can really improve that much? Cause I always, I see on Twitter is the refs are terrible. I've never improved. There's so many things we could do better. It's like these, these guys, I mean, that was a horrible call. Don't get me wrong, but they're going to get stuff wrong. Yeah. Like what, yeah, what but are like we getting stuff wrong and getting there's getting stuff wrong. And then there's like, there's getting something that's so obviously wrong. I mean, I think Van Gundy's point that basically like if we have replay. Like, well, no, no, but that part makes sense. I'm just talking about like an individual ref, like missing a call. It's just kind of like we, I feel like the, the game speed has increased. We have obviously amazing camera angles. We can see everything immediately, but like, there's still three refs. They still have their like ro- their their mechanics or their rotations that they do. Like that was a horrible call. They totally blew it. But this, I feel like there's always this assumption out there that we can like it can be better. We can do it. And it's like I don't know. Fourth fourth ref. ref? Oh wow. That was, that's what I've always read. I think it was in the in the light of the Donahue conversation about ref quality was that 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 there's people in that community that advocate for a fourth ref on the floor. And then, so yeah. then all of a sudden you, you're like, you just stand in your, a whistle every play. Do you just stand in your corner? Yeah. You have your quadrant, man. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> Joey, they would need that. They would need 25% more refs. So they would be uh Joey Crawford back in the league. That's be great for everyone. <laughs> you, you well, know, it's, though, it's we funny realize- that the league, the, though this league is that pension. Cause it's like, I think the reason they don't do it is actually cost. And I think there's probably an allusion to quality, but there's a cost element to like paying refs and, you know, increasing your ref uh, payroll by 30%, basically. Right. And at that point, so that's what the NFL doesn't do it. Right. They don't even have full-time refs. Exactly. I mean, I think that's like their their principles and stuff. It's like, (laughs) yeah, like, like what? What's the guy with the big with the big biceps? He's like an attorney. Hockley, <laughs> right. Hockley. Oh, Ed Hockley, yeah. It's like, and his son is like a kind of partner in his firm, but also is now an upcoming rough too. It's like it's it, it's just these leagues make this like crazy amount of money. It's the same thing with the 82 game schedule, which is obviously being discussed a lot in the context of all of the you know planned rest days. It, it these these things that are discussed because we've that's how we've always done it. And and instead there's these opportunities to actually get so much better. I can't believe they won't kind of go there. But see, for me, I want less. I want no replay. I hate replay in the basketball basketball and the NFL. It's like you have so many breaks. Like when you go to an NFL game, which I haven't been to in a number of years, but like those games are snail slow. There's just like, you know, all the TV breaks, like 
having a TV break where they go look under the hood, do all their randomness. It like it, it's basically like a normal part of the game. It doesn't make any difference. Basketball is is a beautiful game. It is a game of we know we all talk about. It. It's like improvisational. It's it really rolls. It's smooth, and these all of these like go to the monitor, go to the monitor, go to the monitor. It's like I don't really care if we get it right all the time. Like I. I hope they get it right. They should get it right. There should be consequence. Like this ref should have a consequence. We should let everyone know you got to do the best you can. But like, I want no replay. I I hate replay. It it it's like it it's ruining the end of game. Like, give me the Elam ending. Get rid of replay, and the you know the my enjoyment level watching uh, end of quarter end of game basketball just goes off the charts. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing that I'm I'm so curious to see if if any of those things. I mean, those are all pretty big, substantial changes. If any of those things are considered to be kind of tackled either in the G League or in the regular season, as as in, over the next kind of five to ten years of the league, because it is it's so important to I think aspire to those the, the watchability, the entertainment level has to be addressed. I mean, both. I mean, and this has to, this it's in the same vein as the resting stuff, right? I mean, if you you know, you want to show up to a game to watch a certain player. I mean, you, you just happened. It happened to you when I mean, you were trying to. Right, I know, Clippers, man. The, the Clippers did their thing. So it's it's uh, it's certainly it's certainly a, a unique dynamic. And and the, the NBA of all of any of the leagues has really been a willing to tinker. It's just curious if they how far they'll actually take it. Well, and they should again, based on our interview, um, you know, basketball, like a genius interview is like that book. It's they should go a lot. They should be willing to just get really aggressive with it and, and go. So we did. I mean, the, the shot clock was an incredibly aggressive move in 54 and totally changed things for the better. So like the, we, the great part about basketball is it's continued to be adapted. And like he said, like the author said, Naismith wanted that from the beginning. He was like, he open sourced it. Right. I think it was the, was the, sort of description that the author gave it's like he is like please go build on what i did make it better and so i just hope hope they do it and i i don't know but like, besides a fourth ref though what else can we do better i mean is it like i mean is it i just don't know how we eliminate those missed calls from it and i everyone's like oh i ha- hate losing on a call which is true but it is like there's like as long as like baseball, it's like, yeah, just have the robot ump, like have the computer do it. It's just better for everyone. Like it doesn't matter. Camera, everything. But for hoops, like I just don't think I mean, maybe, you know, chat GPT can be a ref in maybe five or 10 years and, <laughs> and handle everything. But till I don't know, maybe an avatar or something. I don't know. Well, but, I think you can argue too, when you lose a game because of a call, it's you, you know, you put yourself in that position to have it come down to the the whim of of a call because we know refs aren't aren't perfect. So, if it gets to that point, it's and you lose the game. Um, there was other things you can look at to to not allow it to get to that point, kind of thing. Like it's only one it's one play and call of the whole the whole game. So it's you could put it in context and not look at it that way. But I was going to say too, if you to remember the year that the refs had the strike and we had all the college refs and then we learned like actually how how good the nba refs were because the the college (laughs) the college refs could not keep up with the speed of it so 
Well, that's that that same scenario is how we got the fail Mary then on the on the the Packers Sunday night football Seahawks game, right? Oh, I mean, right. It, was, it was literally like the play that broke the strikes back. It was like the NFL was like, fine, oh, yeah. we give in, we give in. Like, come back, please. We'll give you whatever <laughs> you want. Except for a full-time job. We draw your line. <laughs> You're still 1099s, but uh, otherwise. Speaking of 1099s, then there was the period where all the the uh, refs were going to the white-collar prisons for the tax evasion. You remember that? They turned in their first-class ticket for a uh, coach and then pocket the, pocket difference. the difference. And the thing the was, the part of it that you don't really think about till you fly a little bit more is they all had status anyway, so they didn't need the first-class ticket. They got <laughs> they basically were back to the economy ticket, pocketed the difference, which was the tax evasion, and they got upgraded back to first class. <laughs> it was like a perfect. It's a victimless crime. Come on. <laughs> And like that's incredible. I don't gone. think I recall. I don't think I remember reading that. That's insane. Yeah, it was like in the 90s, I think. I'm just curious how those guys got caught. I mean, it's literally, I mean, they must have been doing it so much. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they were doing it like, yeah. It's crazy times, man. Steve Javi saw the air air of his voice. He's uh he's a deacon now in the in the Catholic Church. Steve Javi, have you, Are you serious? Story? No. Yeah. Yeah. No, and when he retired because he oh, his, wow. his knee was bad and he uh his wife got him going to some services and he wanted to start serving and then he That's he awesome. would have his homilies that he would he would start preaching and then went through the whole the whole wow. course to to be a yeah. Anyhow, that's that's do, you, tremendous. do you think his parishioners uh, chant "Javi sucks" in the in the? <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> he is known to kick out uh, a couple people from time to time from the. You were staring at me, sir. <laughs> no, they they uh, the one thing about deacons, just knowing just knowing one personally, is that the one commitment you make. Maybe we talked about this. You were just you were you, we were all together with the um, the deacon. We all know. Um, and my father-in-law and he, um, I always joked that my mother-in-law was very supportive of the idea because, uh, even though it's a big time commitment and he had to do all this training and he like, he serves at mass every weekend and does all this stuff. Like it's a big commitment to be, be be a, a deacon in the, in the church. And he, um, but she was so supportive and I wondered why. And then I realized, oh, wait. Um, when you become a deacon of the church, you commit that if your if your wife predeceases you, you can't remarry. You become a priest. You can't. <laughs> it's like yes, <laughs> perfect. So, yeah, that's crazy, Javi. Yeah, and he's doing the yeah. Wow, that's uh, yeah. He was the one. Javi was the one guy to get get acquitted. So nice work, Javi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did kick Mike Rice out of a game once. You, oh my uh, God. Former Blazers uh, analyst. Jeez. That was one of those, who are you? He did that, who are you, to Mike Rice. <laughs> Mike Rice, he stood up and he was like, you choked and you blamed him. And Javi just goes, who are you? Let's <laughs> get out of here. Your mama, yeah. Um, Dad and a mascot, I think he kicked out too. Do you miss Mike Rice? Oh yeah, I, I I thought Mike and Mike were great. Um, which this reminds me, this Mike Mike Barrett, Mike Rice, they were like a staple, just like uh, 
R.I.P. We didn't even actually reference Bill Shawnee. I know, yesterday. man. R.I.P. Man, which is on me. I missed that. Uh, but the 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 Blazers management has a problem with like the fans are attached to our announcers, and then they they would get rid of them prematurely. So got rid of Sean Lee before he could be like a Chick Hearn and you know Vince Scully type person, and then uh, same thing with Mike and Mike to give them the axe. I mean, he was Mike. Mike Rice was the biggest homer ever, but we he loved was him. pretty. He was pretty bad. He was. He, yeah, but <laughs> it was always entertaining. Well, and Rice had all the Mike Rice had all the had the health stuff, right? I mean, he it was his he was his availability. I think was dwindling, wasn't it? I recall. Oh no, he was always fresh and ready to go. I didn't. I I don't remember that part of the narrative. Was it Wheeler? That's the management. Oh, that was Wheeler, huh? That was that was. Oh, Wheeler. Yes, Wheeler had a lot of health issues. Yeah, he was really good too. Did Mike Barrett have any reasons why he he just got he just got tired? They fired him both at the same time. Well, didn't didn't he get didn't he get ice for Calabro? Yeah. Oh, then Calabro left, and they iced iced Kent for Calabro. Yeah, they've iced a lot of people. And now it's Calabro and Lamar Hurd, right? Yeah. Lamar Hurd is good. I he think is good, yeah. this is riveting. This is riveting content. He's right definitely now. better. <laughs> he's definitely better than Mike Rice. But yeah, Sean Lee, man. What could... the best can... ever was Pat Lafferty. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 10-4, highway patrol score. That Snapper. But like yes. Snapper was the best local analyst of his era like i think it's definitely marquise johnson now i really miss marquise johnson he did the sonics years ago and pac 12 hoops for a long time or pac 10 at the time but he's great on the bucks but why did they just let sean lee keep going like why i never understand these teams that make these guys leave early um it's just obviously he's getting much older but like can't he do a reduced schedule like I just feel like not ev- not everyone's Vin Scully, but like the way yeah. they treated Vin, where it was like they just made it as easy as possible for him to keep doing it, and it's just like who cares if they make some mistakes? Again, it's it's right. just sports, dude. It's PE. Like who cares? Like I think it was like it's like the marketing version of like bad analytics, where it's like oh the data shows that uh, we need someone younger or something, and they're like no, because most of the fan base is attached to these guys and yeah, synonymous with the team, so. And no loyalty. Man. R.I.P. Sean's. Yeah. Uh, So I was going to mention, we do have our stars shining on the court. Lillard had 60 points last week. He had 42 Uh, tonight. He had 42 tonight. Yeah, nice win tonight, too. I I keep wanting to, to like, I'm definitely the biggest skeptic of Lillard of of the trio. And I constantly want to just be like, okay, like he... Every time it, he sh- he gets a little shaky, it's like okay, this is the, this is probably like we're starting the descent, and it's like nope, yeah. his teams that team that supporting cast sucks. Like there's not Josh <laughs> well, Hart. Josh Hart has the most like thirty two points, thirty two minutes, four point games. I mean, I was the king of thirty two minute four point games back in the day. So I mean, he's probably doing all the little things, but it, it's like it's not he's not doing much. And it's like he, I, I, he's I guard version of PJ Tucker. That's his usage rate is like zero. It's nothing. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's borderline hard to do what he does. I mean, and that's the thing. I, I actually felt, I felt some redemption in the last week watching Lillard do what he's been doing. When I got the little, I got the eye some, roll when I mentioned he was a top 10 player last some week. Re, some redemption. You've been on fire this year. You're, you're <laughs> Nostradamus, man. Come on. <laughs> he's, I, he, he's just, I think that there's a, 
if the Blazers can just make peace with the reality, and maybe this means Billups needs to go, but if they can make peace with the reality, they need to run spread, pick and roll with like a reinvigorated Lillard and just let Simon shoot 48% on set shots and, you know, let, let them just do their thing. I think they're going to, they'll be in the mix for sure. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it, when they try to do the motion thing, they don't, none of them defend well enough if their offensive efficiency is going to fall off the table because they're relying on like Jeremy Grant, like ISOs. No, uh, yeah. I mean, again, this is like St- Steve Kerr's influence on the league of just like, let's make it harder on ourselves than we have to. Um, yeah. It, the sporty cast, though, you'll go through it. You're like, and Nurkic doesn't do anything. I mean, he's a lost cause. I mean, when again, you, it's just, it's impressive what Lillard's doing, especially with like, he's got the mini me backcourt still. It's just like, it's a tough situation for him. I, I feel for him. I have more empathy for him. And he is, he's insane. And the thing I love about him is how efficient he was. That 60 point game you were noting, D. I mean, uh, again, I'm old school, like the most old school analytics, like pre money ball for me was always just dividing their, um, points by their shot attempts just to see and if you're even anywhere close to two it's just an insane game and obviously the three-pointer makes it easier but it's it's sort of a good standing and I mean, that was the most efficient 60-point game in history i mean that's even in this year with how crazy everyone's scoring how crazy individual stars are scoring like you're saying d that's incredible so all hail lillard man the guy yeah, yeah. uh as we mentioned, Luca having 53 the other night. Giannis came back and scored 53 points too. Um, but looking at going back to the race in the Eastern Conference, so the 76ers now have won. They won eight out of ten. I think won tonight again. So nine out of the last eleven. Only a, a few games back of the first place Celtics. Uh, we should mention though that the 76ers once again squandered a huge lead over uh, my team, the Orlando Magic. Uh, reminding us all that the 76ers won't go anywhere in the playoffs. Oh, I don't know. Flash in the pan, maybe. <laughs> they, uh, I don't, we don't need to expound on the Atlanta Magic, but they're a fun team to watch. You have a moment. They're just, they're, they're just interesting. They're great. But, but it is, brothers. It's disappointing, though, because I, I want, like, there, there's like, there's a, there's a, there's a pathway still. You know, it's closing, but there's a pathway to get into the play-in. And it would just be fun. I, I mean, I hope they don't do that because I want to see them with their pick and the Bulls pick. I would love to see them get two top 10 picks again and, like, keep adding to that group, especially if they hit, hit on their pick and get one of the big two or even the big Frenchman. Um, but I want to see them get in the mix. They're fun. But they just can't seem to kind of pull together yet. But there's still still a shot. Still a shot for you to be right, D, on that one. <laughs> I would do it all over again. <laughs> Better to have loved and lost than never loved before, right? <laughs> I may have gotten too excited about the uh, Wagner brothers because I picked up the uh, is it Maritz? Maritz? Yeah, I mean, you, you picked um, up Mo Wagner in fantasy basketball? Yeah, <laughs> today, and uh, he because he, he had a nice little run. Is, do you guys had, get points for cheap shots? <laughs> Uh, at one point you'd get penalized for ejections, but we took that out a few years ago. So now, fortunately not. <laughs> That's incredible. Wait, fantasy sports do do negative points for ejections? Yeah, used yeah, used to be. There's also, what about, is your league full of socialists or something? What, a, what about what about tees? What about technical fouls? Is that a negative as well? 
I just know I advocated for it to stop when I had DeMarcus Cousins on my team about 10 years ago. I was like, oh, I'm going to lose this category every every single week with him. <laughs> Buggy, excuse oh, me, Buggy Cousins. Oh, man, Buggy Cousins. Oh, oh and uh, uh, last thing is Tom Brady retired today. Man. So I was, I was thinking about Brady and, and the NBA, and I, I thought – Two thoughts came to mind. One, he sort of was sort of did with Tampa what LeBron did, where he obviously played for New England forever, but then he went to a team that had a bunch of young, good players, particularly receivers, and he jumped in at a reasonable quarterback number and and did it, and obviously won the title and won the Super Bowl, and then. I think his plan was to keep doing it and like bounce to the dolphins last year. Um, you know, they have Waddle and I guess they would have gotten Tyreek Hill and you know, that, I mean, that'd been pretty amazing. I mean, Tua, Tua's great, obviously gone through a really tough year, but that would have been crazy. And I, and I, I sort of feel like he's kind of getting Jordan at the end. He's not, he's not like 98 Jordan, obviously at this point, he looked kind of up and down the season but he's still good. He's still better than like a lot of the quarterbacks in the league, but I don't think, and maybe this is just like Sim, Simmons take on it, but it definitely was convincing to me is that there's not really anywhere for him to go. Cause the Dolphins stuck with Tua and obviously Peyton didn't end up there. And then Peyton went to Denver and he has to deal with Russ and San Francisco still saying no to Tom Brady. It's like, <laughs> you should have said yes three years ago, Kyle Shanahan. I mean, but before we got there, I was saying, I think Shanahan's a, a good coach, like really smart coach, um, despite, you know, uh, the hatred Bill Walton impersonators have for him and other, <laughs> other, other Seahawks fans, what have you. But it's like, I just can't believe they didn't want Brady three years ago. Um, but I, I kind of wonder, like, if there was a spot for him to go that wasn't Tampa that made sense, I don't think he would have retired. But what do you guys think? Someone today was arguing, they said, um, I mean, I, I don't think anybody argues that Brady's the GOAT, but someone said, had an interesting angle where they said, you know, Peyton Manning was the best regular season quarterback ever. Joe Montana was the best in Super Bowls. He didn't win as many Super Bowls, but he basically played perfect games in like all four Super Bowls that that he won. But then then they just but it all just comes down to the longevity. And of course we're gonna judge by uh you know Super Bowls. But um because I, I am someone who always says like well if you put Peyton Manning with the Patriots, if you put Aaron Rodgers with the Patriots, would they not have a somewhat similar resume? But then tonight again I was watching the uh second half of the comeback 2016 against the Falcons. And I was like the plays that he made under pressure. Although there's a couple of those passes that could have been intercepted. And that was the end of the greatest comeback ever. But, you know, he's obviously stands alone. Um, But it was a rough year for him this year. And there had to be a decline at some point. So it just makes sense that he, he finally has to, has to call it. But his team sucked, right? I mean, his team was, Team, all the receivers were hurt or bad, and he still like brought them back in multiple fourth quarter crazy comebacks to somehow like limp into the playoffs. Like he was yeah, still I mean, like he still his had division, Godwin and Evans, pretty his, much his, the whole year. 
His yeah. division was bad, but oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So he did have. Some. I mean, Godwin was hurting on and off, and their offensive line, like a couple guys retired when he retired, and then like two other guys got hurt. I mean, I think there was like, you know, it just seems like there's some. I mean, to me, the case in point is that he's still doing it at 45 years of age. So to me, that's where like the idea that like if Manning or Rogers were like in the same situation in New England, would it have been yeah. the same outcome? Like, I just don't think it would have been like he's cut. Brady is such a unique and, and there's some like, you know, myth making here. But there's a there's a degree where he's just such a unique person in the way he was driving for stuff that like he. He was going to be successful kind of no matter what. I, I think that's like, anyway, like <laughs> Belichick put defensive coordinators as their, as, as an offensive coordinator. Like, what, <laughs> like, like, I get that Belichick is like, a, you know, he sort of takes away what you want to do sort of thing. But man, like, he's more like, he's more like, you know, Mike Zimmer than he is, you know, Bill Walsh. Like, it's like, I think there's like some there, he just got stuck with, with Tom Brady, man. I mean, I think the thing that that always stands out to me is there. There's this like, oh, Manning was a better quarterback, and Brady just kept going. Except like you forget about 2007. Like Tom Brady, in the midst of their comp of their like rivalry, had the greatest quarterback season of all time. Yeah, and Manning faltered in the playoffs many times uh, versus Brady just but, killing but, it every in the post. But Brady is the goat, though, right? I mean, he's the best. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I, I, I was like you. I mean, I, I definitely was in the Belichick camp when they parted ways. I was like, oh well, we'll see it now. But we did see it now, and part of it is, you know, it's sort of the uh, Tony Montana sort of end of the <laughs> end of Scarface period for for uh, Belichick in terms of getting a little <laughs> a little ahead of himself in terms of it's like. When the best coaching decisions he made were to put his his two sons and who have no football <laughs> experience other than his experience in charge of the defense, that was the better of his two moves. I just <laughs> loved it so much when Vance Joseph, I think they were they were <laughs> they were playing them and he and he started making these like he nagged uh, Patricia. He's like he's like this is the defensive coordinator. Uh, but he was like, yeah, I mean. Patricia calls plays like a defensive coordinator, man. He like, he calls, it's all like running plays and short passes. That's definitely what all us D coordinators would call if we were running offices. I just love that. So, I just love that so much. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, but it's just, it's, it's definitely sad to me because, you know, Seth Wickersom wrote a great book about the Patriots. If I recommend it, like better to be feared than loved or something. And it's a lot about Brady and again, the only person that's sadder today than Brady is, uh, and his and his and all his fans is is Mike Riley because Mike Riley we talked about before. Mike Riley was the one guy who saw. I mean, there was multiple people that saw greatness in Brady, but Mike Riley, both in trying to recruit him to SC and then draft him when he was with the Chargers, um, he definitely saw it from the beginning. There's um, always one guy. It's like it's like when we read the Giannis book, and there was somebody in the Atlanta Hawks organization that was like, "You got to get Giannis, got to get Giannis." And, <laughs> And threw a plant in the draft room when they when they passed over. Oh yeah, fairy. It was fairy. I think wasn't it fairy? Yeah. yeah. No, it, it was. A, I thought it was a different. It wasn't was a, it a guy who worked. Yeah, person, a guy, guy who worked for him. Yeah. There was, some, there was a scout basically. Like I'm telling you, guys, this is the guy. I knew it. I was there. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's I, it's it's kind of it's just sad to me because obviously to be that great, you can't have everything, and obviously to be that great. 
I mean, he's again the best football player ever. Um, and to do it to his 45 and how he just changed kind of everything. Um, it's incredible, but he some of like Wickersome had a piece today about it about Brady, and it was just kind of melancholy because it's like, I guess again, I haven't watched everything, but he was just relaying that you know, Brady got really emotional in one of his like his TV show or something about how like his dad, he's never going to be as good a dad as his dad was, and his dad was like his hero and all this stuff. And it's just like, man, it's like you want to say if he just retired a year or two earlier, could his, you know. Could have things been different for him personally, but I don't know. To be that great at football, I guess you kind of have to be a narcissist. I don't know if there's really any other way to be that well, unequivocally. Unequivocally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that's the thing. I mean, it's just yeah. it was never gonna go any way differently. Yeah. I kind of feel yeah. like if he had retired two years ago after the Super Bowl, I feel like it would have been they well, had like, a chance. It's like right? it's like asking a gambling addict to like walk away from the table when you hit that double down on you know, a, you know an eleven or something. You're like, dude, you're up. Like, like walk. And he's like, no, 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 no. I can do this again. I can do this again. And like, he might have won another Super Bowl last year. Like, if their defense didn't give up a field goal, if Cooper Cup didn't get over the top, on on you know. Oh yeah. In, yeah. Uh, in like the last like 25 seconds of that game against the Rams, they might have gone back to back. Like he, he could have pulled it off too. I mean, that's the craziest thing. Yep. I think you're right though. Maybe now it's time to go after Jordan as a father. <laughs> well, I don't, well, I don't want to go fun- too far into this. Did you see that his, his son is dating Scotty Pippen's ex-wife? What? Just in, in as the world turns. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> Michael, I would have had you to send us that kind of information, you know. I don't know, man. You kept bringing up the Chris Paul stuff, so I thought you might be plugged (laughs) in there. (laughs) The thing that um, this Wickerson piece in ESPN.com, like, I guess he pointed out that early on, and he wrote the book, he wrote a book about him, so, um, but that Brady would say, like, his argument when he was young was, like, these quarterbacks – the people say lose it physically when they're in their thirties actually don't lose it. They just, they just get married and have kids and have a family and they can't really focus themselves on everything. So I'm not going to have kids till I'm older <laughs> and after my career, of course, that did not end up be the choice he made. Um, and uh, yeah, but it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just kind of like, it's, it's obviously like he has that, that competitive desire and urge to go, go for it. And obviously the ones that do that, it it doesn't, it doesn't really lend itself to like a sort of normal life. Um, But it was just kind of like, maybe that's what a narcissist would do is they would both like, just kind of make it all about them and then kind of cry about the fact that they're not as good a dad as their dad, while they keep making the same choices to be all about them the whole time. Exactly. <laughs> hey, hey, here's a tip. You want to be different, make different choices. Yeah. <laughs> it is probably hard to be, not be a narcissist when you have that level of fame, because no, they, they say narcissists, they go into a room and they think everyone is looking at them. But if you're Tom Brady, that's true. Yeah. Everyone is looking at you. <laughs> You'd almost hope that that Brady has a little like Clooney in him that like because he wasn't he was almost in some ways. I mean, relative to people, especially in the last like 15 years, he's later to fame than 
Dude, Roseanne fans though no knew Clooney early, man. He was he was the guy. <laughs> it's like right, Clooney was always Dude the guy who said, like, I'm I'm relatively well adjusted as in the realm of celebrities simply because I, you know, didn't get famous till I was 30 or whatever whatever his quote is. I mean, I think there's like a you you would wonder if there was a Brady element there, but again, he's just a total narcissist. What, but I think what happened was with Clooney is he had not only did he have his aunt who was like gigantic star, including Rosemary Clooney, including in um, White Christmas, which uh, it's an old school, very old school Hollywood musical that uh, me and the girls um, watched over the holidays. Um, his dad was a um, longtime news anchor. So he he definitely had people around him to kind of see that because I, I agree. I've heard that before about him but also john ham also talked about that about how becoming famous later really helped him uh that was before he went to rehab so i don't (laughs) don't know how (laughs) consistent that is hey good for him man talk about making different choices right yeah man exactly he's like i'm gonna make up for lost time i'm famous now um yeah clooney also married a graduate of nyu law so an llm but uh um good choice good choices there all around um but uh, yeah you'd, you'd hope brady did but i think also he you know he had three older sisters his parents you know obviously really invested in him a lot and um yeah i mean what an incredible run to be that great at something but it's just yeah it's a little melancholy it's a little little sad because it's like i mean clearly right he took those 10 days 11 days off in the fall camp to go try and work out things with his wife or maybe not work them out. Maybe just appear come in to court a, with a lawyer come, present. But yeah. come to us, come to a settlement agreement or something. <laughs> but it's like, man, it's just, it's just tough. But you can't have everything. So, but I also, to your guys's point, though, I, I do think anyone that crit- maybe this is more from like a religious or faith based thing. But when you criticize people that are that famous for like making bad choices, it's kind of like, I mean, I think that's why, like, when you read the Bible, or it's like it's or like Solzhenitsyn said, it's like, you know, evil runs through the heart of every human being, you know, and you read like how, like the stuff that comes out of you, like we all have that stuff in us. It's just for people like that who have every single thing in front of them. It's just much more like, it's obvious. It's not like the iceberg where most of it's below. So there's no, absolutely no judgment. It's just, yeah, it's just kind of sad, sad situation. But yeah, I mean, it is he is like similar to Jordan where it was just like, that's all he, you know, that's all he cared about. Um, but it'll be interesting to see him. What, what do you guys think he'll be when he's on um, Fox? I mean, he won't be on it, I guess, the Super Bowl. But next year, he's supposed to be the number one guy. Do you think he'll be? I was surprised by that. I don't I don't know if I see it. I well, don't either, to be honest. <laughs> well, when they, when, they, when they didn't let Jim Gray be his play-by-play man, I didn't know if he would be <laughs> as, uh, as uh, high energy and charismatic as he is on his little radio interviews he does with jim great question jim well you know he'll be better than brett uh brett far i don't know if you ever saw he like tried to do a college game and he was just <laughs> a bundle of nerves and it was just incredibly awkward and just terrible and you know i always think of isaiah thomas as the worst basketball nbc oh analyst yeah. he was so bad dr j was bad too yeah dr j was was pretty bad yeah and actually magic was bad like i mean he oh, was magic like good, was terrible, good, yeah. he's terrible but he kept he's 
It's like magic's the one you think would be good, but supposedly again the Seth Wilkerson piece, like I'm getting pretty much all my thoughts or info from that, but he did point out that he mentioned that Brady is saying that he'll be totally different when he's like he's going to be totally blunt and honest when he's behind the mic. It's like it's like we'll see. I, I think he's going to do like Jason Witt, and he's going to he's going to get in the booth. And then six weeks later, he's gonna be like, "This is not for me." I'm... And then you're gonna see he signs a contract with the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders to be their quarterback. For oh, the I like it. I like the win. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's still weird to me that Kraft let Belichick get rid of him, but I don't know. I forgot that he after he was drafted, he told Kraft that drafting me is the best decision this organization's ever gonna make or has made. Like, Talk about his confidence. Do you, do you ever wonder if you hear that stuff? Like, how many people actually say that? And then you're just like, was it the yeah. one in like 500 that actually hit, or is it it's like it's like every Good half question. court shot I hit, I yell money when it's in the air. So I, I don't make very many of them, but <laughs> yeah, to say yeah, and I, right. I was I was told once to say and one, you actually have to hit the shot before you say the and one part. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was Todd from Idaho who used to tell me that. <laughs> um yeah it's it's um yeah it's 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 a big thing i mean it's interesting we talk about steph being the closest to like a brady or jordan that we have i mean from all outward appearance it seems like he's finding some balance in the midst of that although he did um get some infamy here in the bay for he and his wife wrote a letter to their local oh, I heard about that. city council to to request that no uh sort of uh you know, sort of uh, multifamily housing, multifamily affordable housing was built near their home. So um, I did read, I did read that the definition of affordable, I know San Francisco is a high cost of living, but I think the definition of affordable based on what I was reading is, uh, is, is rather North of what maybe most, most common plebes like you and me might consider as uh, affordable. It's I, I heard it was like two to $3 million townhomes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You didn't want to slum it with the uh, tech workers, I guess. <laughs> I'm surprised Curry didn't think this would come back to haunt him, that he would have left a paper trail. Well, instead well, of, you know, having someone else speak to someone else on his behalf, you know. Well, I think what's going, I mean, like it's a, it's a state requirement that all these municipalities like come up with their plans to build more affordable housing. Um, it's sort of a classic California way to try and, you know, solve a problem. Um, but you know, whatever your politics are in terms of how this will actually play out. But I think the one thing reading Steph's like letter was that he definitely is like concerned for his family's safety. So basically his argument is like, if they're going to build multifamily housing, like condo or something like right next to him, they'll be able to like look down into his property and like, and I kind of, I kind of, I actually get that a lot more than I get the people like they're, they're, it's not Atherton, but it's another neighboring community that's tried to like, I think they've tried to make like um, it's a little bit more of like a foresty kind of near a state park community. And I think they have like what animal I think they have mountain lions. And so they're trying to make like the mountain lions, make it a mountain lion preserve so that like, no one else can live there. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's brilliant. If it, if it really had to be that way, there'd be a few more, you know, dead bodies <laughs> in the, in the, <laughs> on the roads of uh, whatever town that was. So all these people are trying to stop it. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's really, it's a bad, bad cycle. Um, 
Actually, I had a question for you guys. I was looking. I I was looking at the. Uh, obviously, we have the All Star starters, and then I think tomorrow we'll find out about the All Star reserves. But I was curious to get your guys' thoughts on the the rising stars. Just always like my fate, one of my favorites of the All Star weekend when you have the first year, second year players, and this year they also th- are throwing in the G League. So I wanted to see who you would want of these three. Th- I'm going to read you the three lineups. And I'll give you a little context. I had to look up a couple of the G League guys up. I know I knew who uh, Scoot was, but some of the other guys. All right, let me see if I can read this. All right, so the sophomores: Jose Alvarado, Scotty Barnes, Josh Giddy, Jalen Green, Quinn Grimes, Bones Highland, Evan Mobley, Trey Murphy, um, El Prinsigun from Houston, and then Franz Wagner. Rookies: Banchero, Jalen Duran. A.J. Griffin, Jaden Ivey, Walker Kessler, who's having a year, Benedict Matherin, Keegan Murray, Andrew um, Nimbard, um, who was at Gonzaga before. Those dogs. Yep. Jabari Smith Jr., he slipped right in and made it. Jeremy Sochan, Jalen Williams, the J-A-L-E-N Williams. That's that's the wing Jalen. Yeah, wing Jalen. And then the G League team is Scoot. And then a couple guys like Kenny Lofton Jr., Mac McClung, Scotty Pippen Jr., who've been around the league a while. And then they also have three other guys from GL, sorry, uh, G League Ignite, including a couple guys, uh, Sydney Sissoko, um, and who's the other guy? Let's see. Mojave King. And, and Leonard, Leonard M- Miller are both considered late first round picks, and then Mojave King, second round pick. So I guess, you know, G League, if you're a real scoop believer, you believe as a transformational player, maybe you pick them. But um, how about between the sophomores and the rookies? Which of those two squads do you think um, do you believe? I got to take more? sophomores because it, it feels like there there is much more depth on the, in the sophomore squad. I mean, just, you know, Sagoon for the Rockets, that guy's been amazing. It's true. Uh, <laughs> And uh, you've got so you're a little more top heavy with the the rookies, but I don't think there's a lot of depth there. So I got I got I'd take sophomores. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, what do you I'm think, look, Michael? Well, go ahead, go right. I want to hear. No, your no, take. Go, oh no, I was just yeah. I I think I I lean that way too. I think that draft was incredible. I think as we all that was like the deeper draft of the two, and it's funny like how much this like it's a real team actually. I mean, they have, you have like Giddy, who's a distributor. You have Alvarado, who's like a defensive first guard. You have bones. Who's just going to gun. You have Quentin Grimes. You have Jalen green. who's going to gun more from a two guard perspective. Quentin Grimes is more of like an all around wing defender. Trey Murphy's a shooter. And then you have Scotty who can play like as versatile up front could do everything. Franz Wagner can do everything from the wing and then you got, you know, and then you've got Singun who we're talking, who's playing great. And then you have Evan Mobley. I mean, that's a team, man. That's like yeah. a legit, that's a legit, like there's not, I mean, I guess other than shooting, right. Would shooting be the only, yeah, none, none of them can shoot. I mean, Trey Murphy can shoot, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. I guess Trey, Trey Murphy can shoot, but I think none of the like primary guys are all, they're all a little, yeah. little shaky. Yeah. So that's a big weakness, but other than shooting, they are, uh, <laughs> they're loaded. So I go with them. Um, you know, the, the G league guys that are like actual G league guys are not very, not very good. Um, these guys, Pippen Jr. is a great dunker, obviously, but Mac McClung, it's like, no, thank you. But 
Um, I wait, can't are any of the Warriors players on the G League team? <laughs> <laughs> Wiseman, Moody, Kaminga. Would that make it better or worse? That's well, the, the crazy question. thing is that Kaminga didn't make the, the, the sophomore team to me. That was wild. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's, that's a really good one. Who would you take over? I mean, I'd probably take him over Bones, to be honest. Yeah, he's 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 too inconsistent. I mean, definitely the Nuggets would take Kaminga over Bones. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I guess they're both inconsistent, but yeah, I, I'd put him ahead of Bones. Yeah. Michael, who you got? Any any love for Walker Kessler and Paolo, a front line of Walker Kessler and Paolo? And Jalen Duran. I mean, I think they're like the, the the rookie team is just it's it's it also fits like a team more than you would yeah, think. I yeah, mean, exactly. I think that's the thing is like Nemhard has the little sort of the the uh you know classic point guard kind of mold and, and Mathurin is just that guy has never G- seen a jumper he doesn't like. I mean, that's yeah. Now now that I'm you want to talk about Bones Highland lighting it up, man. Mathurin is yeah. is going to put him to shame. Yeah. Um and I think I, I mean the interesting thing is like does 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 Paolo have a chance to be the best player on the court in that game? I mean, I think that's the, that's the interesting thing there to me. Ooh, Evan Mobley has a question about that. I guess Mobley yes. probably <laughs> Mobley is is Mobley is, seems to be developed. I mean, I've just seen flashes here and there, but man, like he's starting to like take guys take mismatches in the post. At least a few highlights I've seen here and there. Yeah. It's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> it's like this guy. Um, that's a good point, though. I mean, yeah, if you had the number one pick, if you if you just took all those players and then you did like, you picked, yeah, you know, would who would be your number one? It's a great. There? Let's try this. Who who would be your top five? Pick your top five guys off these three rosters. So really, we're talking like Walker Kessler, you... Walker Kessler, Walker yeah. Kessler, Walker Kessler. <laughs> sound like David Locke. Yeah, no, no, exactly, exactly. Sagan, Sagan. Um, yeah, I mean, the funny part about Mathurin to me is like people criticize these guys who come in and just they don't distribute, they don't pass, they just kind of put it up. But it's like it's like those shortstops from the Dominican, man. You don't you don't you don't get uh, you don't walk off the island, man. You got you got to hit. You got to swing that bat. To well, get that's out the funny there. thing is like, it's like, yeah, it's these guys are going to you can teach a guy to like pass the ball to the open shooter. You can't teach him to like put the ball in the hole. So. Uh, all right. But who do you guys have? Let's see top, who are your top five picks. I can um here, can I put it up on the screen? You got well, it's too probably too small. I'm I'm staring at it right now. I mean, Mobley's uh, the number one pick. I mean, I think that's probably okay. okay. That, that's pretty unimpeachable. I, I would agree with that. What do you think, D, about that? Would you go Banchero maybe over him? Scoot, maybe. Uh Scotty Barnes is an option. I, I do agree, Mobley. Mobley. And yeah. not to be a nerd about this, is this for like a game? Is this for a season? Is this for the next decade? Oh wow! I would say like the career, like who's gonna have the best career? Okay, not like in this game, but like who's the guy you'd want like to have on your team? Well, like, to me, then, then, then the next pick is clearly Scoot Henderson. I mean, I think that's like wow and, over and it, Paulo. Yeah, I just I think for the, Paolo, for, for the upside, for the upside. Yeah, I mean, Scoot Henderson has like a chance to be one of the seven or eight guys that matters, whereas like Paolo, I think has the chance to be a really nice player, but some of the limitations. You know, at least at this point, the perceived limitations are just. Yeah, his his jump is going to be so interesting to watch because he's already so good. Like he's much better, much faster than I expected. And I just wonder, can he like where can he keep growing? It'll be interesting. Okay, so you have 
I, I feel you on that. I probably would go with that too with Paolo third. I don't know what what do you think, D? Yeah, uh I Paolo probably third, and then I, I think Giddy would be in top, Ooh, top five whoa. Giddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we got Giddy, we got Scotty, we got Franz Wagner. Um I'm trying to think Walker Kessler, of course. Gotta be strongly considered there. I mean, he does have like the only guy with two seven block games this year, including tonight. So it's like Danny Ainge, man. You don't yeah. miss. Danny Ainge is yeah. incredible. Yeah. Well, and not that I'm gonna pick Jeremy Sochan, but did you see the fact that he was shooting 45% from three? Yeah, he moved to shooting one-handed, and yeah. it, and his season percentage is now like 80%. But I, I was reading that he's been shooting like 90% in the last month since he like really settled into it. Oh yeah, I'm not. I mean, we know we all learned to shoot. It's like it. All that other hands have to do is just kind of like be there to like, kind of, you know, protect the ball a little bit. But it's it's kind of it reminds me a little bit. Like I've been trying to find bike helmets for our kids, and um, particularly with like our girls with like long hair and everything, and so and they love like riding their bikes or like scooters and stuff. And so we were fine. I, you know, um, skating and everything. So I was looking for, looking for um, helmets and, and doing it, just trying to size them up. And I would really tighten the chin strap really tight. And it just seemed like it never fit. So we finally got one that fit and we tightened it from the back and it fit. And the guy at REI told me, I don't know, you know, maybe this is, this is news to me is that actually you don't even really need to tighten the bottom of your helmet. It's all supposed to fit. Um, on top of your like your head like it should fit well just like that and then the the strap is just like the left hand when you're shooting a basketball right-handed it's just supposed to be kind of be there but doesn't really do anything which you know i don't know if you're writing tour de france i don't know if that's the case but uh was this a mips me. certified uh instructor at rei or yeah it's a mips helmet it's a mips helmet it's a mips helmet so he seemed to be he had one of those uh, aprons on, or one of those little vests, those green vests. So had a few. Uh, he was wearing skinny jeans, and he had a he, and he had a, a, a wheel hub wrench in his pocket. Definitely, definitely seemed like he had any kids. I, I doubt he had any children of his own <laughs> yet, but I'm a little young for that. Uh, but I, I think someone like Sochan, who's willing to do that, I mean, that's Popovich has still got it. If you could convince like like a you know a, a rookie who has like fun hair that he should he's okay to <laughs> free throws one-handed when everyone in the league's going to be doing it it's like the whole like malcolm gladwell you should press but no one will do it because they'd all look like idiots like good for so chan i shoot granny concerned about looking like an idiot yeah exactly good granny. for so chan okay so so chan's on your list michael you're saying he's now in the third spot there's some no, good players. There's some good I think players Wagner has to be. Can, can I take Cade Cunningham? Is he, he's not on the list? Yeah, <laughs> he's the second year player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's right there. I mean, would you go? Okay, Wagner or Paolo? But, uh, Paolo, Paolo. Okay. I think yeah. Paolo, but I think I have Wagner's fourth pretty clearly. I mean, they're good, man. I, that's why I think they should bottom out and try and get one more guy like that. Like, because if they get the Bulls pick, if it ends up in the lottery, late lottery, I think it's top four protected or top five. If it's in the late lottery and then they get a lottery pick, even if they don't get one of the top two picks, they can still, they have two shots at getting someone good. And then they have a third guy. Whew, it would be nice. The draft seems better this year than last year. So, um, 
All right. So who's fifth? What would we say? Maybe Scotty Barnes or Kessler or Giddy. Giddy. D loves for Giddy. Yeah. I mean, Barnes Giddy's is incredible. And Barnes has been really fun. I think the last like three weeks or so. He's, he's like, coming back. He's coming yeah. back in terms of, I think there's like a, you know, the flavor of the month gets sour pretty fast, right? You want to like yeah. pick, pick at all the, the issues, but. Yeah, I'd probably go Scotty over Giddy, but if I was picking for one, like this game, I'd have Giddy because Giddy's going to be the most fun guy for them to play, play to play with because he's just passed the ball so well. I mean, he's going to be great. I I also like that they're going, they're splitting this them into like four teams. There'll be one G League team. And then I think they're going to mix the rookies and second the second year guys. And they're going to play like semifinals to 40 and the finals going to be to 25, like, like target score or whatever. So I'm excited. NBA it's actually pretty fun. It's really fun. <laughs> I know, man. It's going to be great. I was like, makes me want to go to Utah. Come on, yeah. let's go. Have some coffee. Wait, what? <laughs> have some Diet Pepsi. <laughs> great yeah caffeine free diet pepsi just to be clear. Right. i know i should drink oh man yeah so it's it is uh i think as you approach all-star i think one of the big things on the voting was was zion in the starting lineup which obviously has its own sort of elements and and how the voting is conducted but how concerned are you guys at the pelicans at this point they've lost nine in a row they're now in 10th in the West. They're right where I had them, guys. I, uh, <laughs> I, I feel great. They <laughs> are who you thought I feel they terrible. Were. I want them to play and be good. Like, I don't know. I'm going to start tweeting like Stan Van Gundy. Just what's going on, guys? Come on. The toe is finally better for Ingram. He just, just now that he's finally back, it's just going to take a little bit of time for them to establish some rhythm together. So that, that the mysterious toe injury, you know, that that kind of derailed them for a while, but they can, they can pull it together. I just wonder if Zion is really kind of like, it's always the like seven foot and over rule or whatever with guys. It's like, does he qualify as a special seven footer just because he's like six, six, but like 320 pounds and just like, it's not, that's not like, he's like an offensive tackle or a D end in football. Who's just like, your body's not supposed to work like that. <laughs> like that takes a lot of toll. It's not seven foot rule or the 40 BMI rule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, if you make the NBA with the 40 BMI, it just, it means oh, you're man. the type of athlete that like, was, your body, your joints are going to explode. It, it was a different era when we were, when I was with D11, and I were growing up. I don't know, Michael, did this start to transition out before you, but like, like th- we had weight limits in like Pop Warner football. So like our good friend, Grant Pouget just knew in fifth grade, he would never be able to play youth football. Like he was not allowed because he was like, and he wasn't, he was just tall and big. It wasn't like he was a great athlete. It wasn't like that. Or I feel like it like, they I couldn't take, carry the ball. They would I measure they would, line they, because I couldn't, they would, I was, they would measure, I had a black would, electric tape on my helmet. Electric tape, black stripe of electric tape. <laughs> I once had an interception in like sixth grade and I had to fall down. Sorry, sorry. Oh my gosh. Was I around? Was I traveling abroad during that time? I'm so sorry. That's awful. Wow. That's terrible. What oh, took man. so long for the lawsuits to come in to, uh, you know, change things, right? Yeah, it's just crazy. It was just like, or like, I feel like, was it PE or the nurse who would come and give you, like, they would take the little scalpel thing and like pinch you and see what you're like. Yeah, Calpers, right? Yeah. It was like, 
there's some stuff we were doing back then. I mean, you know, it was well intended, but man, I don't know. That could, that could hurt you, man. That's that's horrible. Fall down, Andy. Fall down. It's like <laughs> you're like a lineman grabbing an interception. You're going to glory, dude. It's like, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I just the, like the further kind of scrunched together in the in the Western Conference, I think is fascinating to me. It seemed like it was going to start to sort of separate, and then the Golden State Warriors just sort of like crapped away another game to the Timberwolves tonight. Like they can't see because they more suck than on the road. Two or three in a row. It's they're so casual about things. It's incredible. I just don't. And meanwhile, it's like it's not like the Memphis Grizzlies are exactly like instilling no. confidence in you. It's like I love that 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 uh, Jaw basically was quoted that he has no concerns about the Western Conference, and that he's basically like shat the bed every single time they've played anybody good in the Western Conference. I know my main man, our main man Joker, you know, didn't really kind of bring it in Philly, so it's just. Uh... No one wants no one wants it right now. No one wants they're just playing hot potato. So I mean it's there for people. It feels a little bit like you're saying about Brady. If they beat the Rams, they could take in the title. Like someone's gonna come and grab it. And everyone else is gonna be bummed out that they didn't win it. It's gonna be, I mean, I guess the last couple of years have been like that, where even the bubble season, right? Where like the, there were teams that were around it where if you can like put it together and go for it, like you can grab a title. It's not a cheap title, it's a great every title is great but there's definitely like it is like within striking distance and yeah it's just weird i mean i i feel like this the issue with the warriors is just more structural than anything i mean they're playing like these three small guys and clay all the time like they they're not gonna be able to stop anybody when you do that i mean it's like kaminga's still only playing like you know minimal minutes sometimes and it's just like he has to play like he's the only other guy that can guard anybody and it's like I'm just surprised some of the moves Kerr's made, but it's a it's a they're a frustrating group. Yeah, and it is. I think you're right in terms of the. We've talked about parody a lot. We've talked about you know obviously these missed titles and and it it was fascinating. I I was reading an article that was saying it's the most. Did the most teams in, like league history or in like in the tracking of the stats at this point in the season of like point differential, like net margin being between, I think it was like four and negative four or like two and negative two or something. I forget exactly what the window was, but it was like 80% of the league were in this. And like the Celtics have the highest at plus six, which like yeah. a lot of teams in the last like decade, like those Warriors teams, but even like those really good, like Bucks teams were like plus 10, like the whole yeah, year. Yeah. yeah. They were like dominant. And, there, and, no, exactly. and there's a whole like, the Celtics are leading the league at almost half that. It's just it's crazy that that how much is is sort of transpiring here in terms of you know where the next kind of thirty games will go. It'll be really telling, and it's like it, and we're getting to that place. I think to me that's the thing that's fascinating is you're getting to that place where every game matters because it's while well, there's still a large margin of error because again the spread between teams is so small still the the dynamic is going to be so big because like the swing between 12th and fourth right now in the conference in the Western conference is like one or two games, right? It's like you do, you know, you have one or two bad outcomes. All of a sudden, you know, you're playing for your playoff life against the Pelicans who finally got healthy 
versus sitting at home in the five seed waiting for your series to start. Yeah, the West plan is going to be going to be awesome. Can't wait. Go Blazers. Make that charge. <laughs> Make that trade. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the 3 and D Love NBA Podcast. We'll be back next time. But until then, remember, throw it down, big man. This isn't just a great podcast. It's a triumph of the human spirit. <laughs>